Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome to Southside today. I'm so thankful that you would join us, be a part of this day with us as we finish up, wrap up the series called Extra ordinary. And we are going to look at a great story today about a godly man known by the name of Jacob that God touches in a powerful way, transforms, and is even using his legacy today in powerful and extraordinary ways. You know the difference. The only difference between ordinary and extraordinary is the extra that you put into it or that you allow God to put into you. And what we see through all of these stories and through our story and the circumstances of our lives, be it good, bad, or ugly, this is what we see. Our circumstances never, never, they will never alter God's person, God's power, or God's presence, ever. Your circumstances, what you are going through today, what you will go through tomorrow or a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, a decade from now, nothing you go through, nothing you experience, nothing you do, nothing in, nothing can alter God's who God is and what God does and where God is. His person, his power, his presence never changes. He is with you. He loves you. His power is available to you. His grace is significant for you. And he will be with you everywhere you go. Listen, when we feel distant from God or removed from God, he's not the one that moves. We are. We're the ones that move. We are the ones that go in a different direction. And today, today the story of Jacob The story of Jacob, what does it say? Well, it says this. It's when you want to rip off the labels of your past so that you can live the life that God has for you. See, our society is quick to give people labels. We're quick to give people labels. We, we do. We do it in all kinds of ways. We label people. You've labeled me. I label you. And we are very quick to do that. Culture, society, the world, everywhere we go, we are filled with labels. And those labels can be a wide variety of things based on the sports team you like, the politics you follow, the the religion that you have, the school that you go to. I mean, all kinds of different things, who you associate with, where you go, where you spend your time, all of these things. And not all of those labels are true. Some of the labels are false. And it's based on the experiences that people have with you or the circumstances that alter things through your life and their life and your encounters. But today, today is important to know this. Never underestimate the power of a label. And so when we look at the story of Jacob and we see a man that, that relates to us in some ways and what happens when, when, when you are defined by a label that you don't want to be defined by and how you rip that off so that you can live the life and become the person that God has for you to be. And so today, my question is, what's your label? The label maker. That's where we are. What's your label? What's the label or labels that have been placed on your life? Because number one, we live in a world full of labels. We live in a world of labels. In Genesis chapter number 25, this is what we see about the life of Jacob. These are the family records of Isaac, son of Abraham. And Abraham fathered Isaac. 
And Isaac was 40 years old when he took as his wife, Rebekah. And Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. It's a label. And, and, and in their culture, in their time, to, to be childless was what they viewed as a sign of, of punishment from God. It could be a label that, that you've done something wrong to displease the God of heaven, and his favor is not on you. And so here, Isaac prays to the Lord because Rebekah was childless. The Lord heard his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, conceived. And when her time came to give birth, there were indeed twins in her womb. And the first one came out, red-looking, covered with hair like a fur coat, and they named him Esau and his brother. After this, his brother came out, grasping Esau's heel with his hand. And so he was named Jacob. And what we see in first century Jerusalem and in their time period and all throughout the Bible are the significance of a person's name. And when you were given a name, uh, there was a lot of significance and purpose wrapped around it and, and basically describing who you were. It's a label, who you would be. And so in this process as Jacob and Esau are born, Esau first, then Jacob coming behind him, grasping his brother's heel, almost, almost symbolizing like playing catch up, holding on, trying to, trying to, 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 to hang on into this, in, in, in this new journey of life. Isaac gives his son the name Jacob. And Jacob means this. It means undercutter, one upper or deceiver. And that was, that was his name. And that was the label that he lived by for so much of his life. And what we see here is that the labels we wear many times shape who we become. What's your label? Because we live in a world full of them. And the labels that we wear many times shape who we become. They shape what we see and how we feel and sometimes even how we live based on whatever that label is, be it what someone gave to us or, or what we have indirectly or directly given to ourselves, And so number two, we see this, that you are more than your label. Hey, the world's full of labels. What's your label? Because we live in a world full of them. But today, a lot of times, we give ourselves a negative connotation when it comes to labels. But I want you to know, you're more than your label. You are more than your label, just like Jacob was more than his label. And it felt like through most of his life, Jacob was running from his label, trying his best to get away from it. But it would catch up with him and take advantage of his life and just rule over him. It's like he couldn't get away from it. He was constantly either deceiving, undercutting, one-upping, and all of these different things, be it in his family or in his life, I mean, all throughout from his childhood to adulthood. But what we see in the story of Jacob is that he was more than his label, and so are you. When the messengers returned to Jacob, we find him in a different place. The passage was in Genesis 25. Now, we're in Genesis 32. Now Jacob is older. Jacob has a family of his own. He has two wives. He has 11 sons. He's got massive amounts of possessions. And, and he's, he's been separated from his brother. 
Why? Because, well, Jacob deceived his brother. Jacob lived his life as a deceiver. He was. One day Esau comes in, he's famished, he's hungry. Jacob is preparing a meal and, and, and he's been out. Esau's been out hunting. He comes in, he's starving. He says, I am starving. Give me something to eat. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright. And, and a birthright in a, in a family like this meant everything. And the birthright of the firstborn son was extraordinary. It was amazing. And Jacob, Jacob asked for Esau to give him, give me your birthright. Sell me your birthright for this bowl of stew. And Esau, not even think, I don't know, I mean, just overcome by his hunger. He's like, sure, you can have it. Give me something to eat. And it's, it's just two young men that are living in the now. At least Esau was. Jacob maybe saw an opportunity to one-up him. And so he did. And later on, when Isaac is nearing death and he's about to bestow the blessing on his children, the blessing of the firstborn, the birthright for him, and then for what should have been Jacob, his mother, Rebekah, she deceives Isaac. They, they hatch this plan together to deceive the, her husband and Jacob's dad, and he, she dresses him like Esau. He prepares a meal because J Isaac had sent Esau out to, to, to gather... Uh, to, to hunt and come back with game that he prepares, he could eat it so that I can bless you. And so Rebecca and Jacob conspire together to deceive and again, one up Esau and their dad. And so when that happened, the, 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 the prayer and the blessing is, is irrevocable. And so Esau received a lesser blessing, and he was angry, angry to the point that he wanted to kill his brother. And so Jacob left. And the last thing that he knows about his, his brother is that his brother wants him dead. And now we see decades later, Decades later, Jacob is married, two wives, 11 sons, massive possessions, and he's traveling to the place that God has asked him to go, and he's about to enter the land that Esau has. And he knows that a confrontation is inevitable. And so he sends a message through a servant that he is coming through the area. And so the messenger comes back. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to see your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you and he has 400 soldiers with him. Uh-oh, look out. The last thing that Jacob knew was that Esau wanted him dead and now having decades later about to pass through this region and he sends messengers ahead to get a little, to kind of get some feelers out there and hopes that his brother maybe has some grace. They come back and said, yes, we told him and he's coming with 400 soldiers. And so Jacob was greatly afraid and he was distressed. And he divided the people with him into two camps, along with the flocks, the cattle, and the camels. 
(laughs) And Jacob said, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, go back to your land and to your family and I will cause you to prosper. What we see in this place, number one, is that Jacob was terribly afraid and, and, and stressed out and he began to position himself in a way so that he could survive, so that his family could survive and so he began to divide things up. What's he doing? He's living out the label that's placed upon his life. He's undercutting. He's one-upping. He's deceiving. He's trying to manipulate a way to survive. And then he prays. He stops and he says, God, God, the father of my Abraham, the father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord, Lord, you said to me, go back to your land, to your family, and I will cause you to prosper. God, remember what you said. Lord, please don't forget in this moment. He said, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown to your servant. Indeed, I have crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two camps. He says, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. Otherwise, he may come and attack me, the mothers and their children. He said, remember, Lord, remember, I will call, you have said I will cause you to prosper and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. See, the world is full of labels. But I believe that you and I are more than our labels. And I believe these are moments of honesty and sincerity and transparency between a man who is afraid, stressed out, and full of anxiety between him and a God. See, those are labels as well because of the circumstances of life that are coming our way. And he's remembering the words of God and what God had told him, what God spoke to him, where God was leading him. See, your circumstances do not alter God's person, God's power, or God's presence. And Jacob is reminding God of what he promised, which is really more of a reminder for him of what God has said. Today, never doubt in the dark what God has said to you in the light. Don't ever doubt in the darkness what God gives to us in the light. Because life has dark times. Life has dark valleys. Life has dark seasons. And whether they are of our making and doing or not, those, those difficult dark seasons can be, can be fearful. They can be stressful. They can be overwhelming. But remember, our circumstances don't alter God's person, power, or presence, nor his promises. And so here, don't doubt in the dark what God has spoken to you in the light. And that's very difficult to do. But here we are during the night, during the darkness, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female slaves, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok, a river. And he took them, and he sent them across the stream along with all of his possessions. 
and the other direction, he sent a massive display hoping for the favor to win the favor of Esau. What did he send? He sent an incredible amount of supplies and animals toward that area. It was incredible. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. Wow! And he sent them in, in, in varying degrees of time so they would look like this massive, massive train of supplies coming. See, this is all a part of Jacob's label that's been placed on his life. The label that he was named with deceiver, undercutter, one-upper. He's still trying to catch up to Esau and somehow win his favor, hanging on. You see, the world is full of labels. But, but you're more than what those labels say. Today, you, you and I need to understand that God wants more for you than the labels that the world has placed on you or the labels that sin and the devil have, have put inside of you. And so here they are in the dark of night. Jacob has brought his family here to protect them because he's afraid and full of anxiety and stress. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Jacob found himself alone, and a man shows up. And they had a wrestling match. They had a, they had a, a wrestling match, a fight until daybreak. It says, when the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. And then the man said to Jacob, let me go because it's daybreak. But Jacob said to him, I will not let go unless you bless me. I go back to Jacob deceiving his father and receiving his brother's blessing. The blessing, favor, and approval of his father meant the world to him. And Jacob had been trying to shake this label all of his life. And now the man that he has encountered is a pre-incarnated version of Christ. Taking the form of a man coming in to meet Jacob and they wrestle and struggle all night long. to the point where in order to get him to let him go, God had to strike his hip, dislocate it, something extremely painful, so that he would let go. But even in that, Jacob won't let go. He said, I won't let go unless you bless me. And what did the man say? The man asked, what is your name? Confess your label. Call out who you are. And Jacob, the deceiver, the one-upper, the undercutter, screams out his name. 
See, until you and I are willing to admit who we are, we can never become who God wants us to be. We all have labels. You have them. I have them. What, what, what is your label? What is it that you have allowed to define you? Fearful? Stressed out? Anxiety? Addicted? I mean, short, tall, big, small? I mean, what, what, what is it? What is, what is the label? What is the lineage of your family? What are the things that, that have come into your life that you have allowed to label you? to call you a certain thing that has such sometimes negative meaning and connotations around it. Because I believe this today. I believe that God is bigger than any label put on you. God is bigger than any label you could put on you. He just is. I remember growing up, I was when I started going to church and I'd met Candy and I was a college student and I know I'm not the the tallest runt in the litter and and uh, I'm a little guy and and going into the church as a young college student I got this nickname all right a guy he's so funny and I love this guy but he called me Sprout Sprout I mean, it's an old commercial from the Jolly Green Giant green bean commercial there was a Sprout in it and and that's and this guy he had a stuttering problem you know that was maybe his label but he would see me and he would say well, there comes old sprout and it just stuck it stuck and 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 that that's what they that's what they called me they labeled me with that and you know as a young college student that's one thing and that's okay but as you grow and mature that's kind of the last thing that you want to be called by that's the last thing you want to hear. And I remember we, had, we, we were no longer at that church. We'd already started Southside, and Candy and I, we went to a pastor's retreat. It was up in Gatlinburg, and there were just tons of pastors everywhere. And I walk into this room, and I see a pastor friend of mine, and, and he was coming to meet me. Well, all of a sudden, in this room full of hundreds of pastors, I hear this voice, and I knew who it was when he said it, but I heard it from a distance, and it said, there's an old sprout. And he just yelled it out. And now I'm about to shake this other guy's hand. And when I heard it, it flew all over me. I got so mad. And I shook this guy's hand because this guy had a nickname for me too. He called me Jethro. And it didn't, that didn't bother me. It didn't make me mad. But that just, for whatever reason, got all over me. And I shook his hand. And I was mad as a hornet. And I shook his hand. I probably just about broke it. And he said, Jethro. And I said, yep. And I just kept walking. I walked out of the convention center. I walked out the doors. I walked the streets of Gatlinburg for about 30 minutes to cool down. And I remember coming back in, and that dude was looking for me, the, the one that, that I shook hands with, my friend, and he found me. He took me into the restroom, and he said, hey, bro, did I make you mad? Are you okay? I think what I said, I didn't mean to say that. If that upset you, I'm sorry. And I was like, what? No, you didn't make me mad. Love you, bro. And anyway, we talked for a minute. I said, and I told him what happened. I said, this guy yelled it out. And I said, it's such an embarrassing name. And I said, it's demeaning and I don't like it. And he was, this was what my pastor friend, he said, let's go find him. We'll, we'll beat him up. Let's go do it. You know, and I love that. That was so funny. It helped me laugh and get over it and move on. Did you know what that was? It was a label. I got tons of labels for me because I look in the mirror and I see them. I do. And, and sometimes I'll joke about my labels, but inside, they have great significance in my life, and most of the time, they're negative. 
This is a great message for me. This is great for me today. And I just pray that it sinks in, not just in your life, but in mine. You know what? God is bigger than any label that's been put on you. God speaks to Jacob. And he says, your name will no longer be called Jacob, undercutter, one-upper, or deceiver. He said, instead, it will be Israel, which means overcomer. Because you have struggled with God and with men and prevailed. Today, you see the story of the beginning of the nation of Israel. And we see it as a nation of people. But here we see it all started from the faith and the label of one man. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? Why are you wanting to know that? My name, God said, is not significant. It's the name that I want to give you. God is worried more about your labels, your name. You know why? Because he never changes. Your circumstances don't alter his person, power, promises, or presence. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. But God wants to change you and me. Why? Because the world is full of labels. But you're more than your label. And God wants more for you. Because God is bigger than any label that's been placed on you. And here in this moment, the God of heaven blesses the man now known as not a deceiver, not any longer as a deceiver, but as an overcomer, the man named Israel. See, I believe God wants to remove the label from our lives in order to replace it with a brand new one. But you and I must be willing to lay aside everything for him. We've got to be willing to let it all go. We've got to be willing to wrestle, to hold on, to not let go of God until he blesses us. So many times the blessing is in the struggle. The blessing is found when you won't let go in the dark of night and the, the times and seasons of life that are overwhelming and full of pressure and stress and fear and anxiety. Hang on and don't let go. Because just when you are finished, God is just getting started. Just when you think you're finished, God is just getting started. So don't let go. Don't let go today. Whatever is going on in and around your world, whatever is happening in your life, whatever label you've allowed to define you, addiction, substance abuse, pornography, lust, lying, fear, doubt, pride, family, history, and whatever, whatever it is. You don't have to be defined by that anymore because the Lord has more for you. 
And God is bigger than any label that the world, the flesh, or the devil wants to put on your life. And you find it when you're willing to get with him. Hang on until he blesses you and allow him to give you a new name. name a name that will never change. A name that the Bible says is given to you at the moment of salvation that you'll learn one day. And my prayer is, is that I walk with God in such a way as even though I may not know that name, I'll find out the meaning of that name when I get to heaven. And I'll know that the God of heaven helped me to live that way until I got there. Today, don't let go. Hang on with everything you've got. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And so whatever label is defining you today, call it out. Get somewhere quiet. Be alone. Call out the labels that you've allowed to define you to this point. Whatever those are, what labels are you allowing to define your life and rob you of your peace and your love and your joy? What are those things? Call them out today and ask the God of heaven. Hold on to the God of heaven. Beg the God of heaven. I'm not going to let go unless you bless me. And today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he bless you with peace. In Jesus' name.